Good day, good night, and welcome to Off the Woodworks. I'm Kevin Agame, and today we have a very busy show. So today on the show, a 2-0 loss on Saturday in Columbus against Dominic, the beast of burden, Arduro. Upset galore in the U.S. Open Cup last week. We have a scoop concerning the Jebi Knights and Jebrovsky, the first scoop of Off the Woodworks history. <laughs> USA Honduras and Panama Costa Rica in the hexagonal World Cup qualifiers for the CONCACAF. The Confederations Cup is underway. The CONCACAF Champions League Group 5 is finally completed. And in the, th in the second half of the show, we have Daryl Lovell from MLSsoccer.com's to preview the Montreal and Houston game Wednesday night at the Siputo. But first, the Montreal Impact were defeated 2-0 on the road in Columbus. Shades of 2012. A loss on the road and a striker can't finish. Andrew Ranger was Justin Braun-like. Couldn't finish to save his life. <laughs> But he vowed in training yesterday that he worked on his finishing. We'll see how that goes. We'll see, first of all, if he's even going to play. Because with the return of Daniele Papponi. Daniele Papponi came back and played 20-some-odd uh, minutes in Columbus. You can tell he wasn't in game shape, but it's getting there. So, in my opinion... Paponi's probably going to start on Wednesday night, and then Wenger's going to come in. We'll see with that later. But he needs to do better. Andrew Wenger needs to start finishing more. He needs to prove that he deserves to be in the first team. And he needs to prove that he, he deserves to be the first pick of the draft last year. But he vowed, like I said, he vowed in trading that he worked on it, so it should be better. But it wasn't just him. Seriously, it wasn't just Andrew Wenger. It was the whole team's struggle on Saturday. And Dominic, the beast of burden, had a field day. What a class. Great player. He was, in my opinion, the best move of the half season, in my opinion, by far. And I'd take him on my team any day of the week, anytime. You're welcome. You're a beast. He should be... If you want to hold up play, he does everything you want on the pitch. He can strike. He can pass the ball. He's great. And I really like his devotion to the team. And for Columbus, he's the best acquisition. Not even for Columbus, for the whole team in the offseason. For the whole MLS, he was the best acquisition, in my opinion. <laughs> but anyways, the, the impact are still first in the East. With games in hand, so no panic. And on to the next one which is, like I was saying, Wednesday the Saputo against the Houston Dynamo. Speaking of Wednesday, like I was telling you earlier, I have a scoop for you concerning the Jebi Knights and Jabrowski and a lot of little kids from Guatemala. Because if you haven't heard, the, the Jebi Knights themselves, Jabrowski and his foundation, Peace Pandemic, had a great idea that is coming to life with Operation Quetzal. The goal is to invite up to 600 young orphans from Guatemala to attend the Montreal's CONCACAF Champions League game in Guatemala City. It's going to be against City Heredia because, yes, since yesterday, we know who the impacts and the San Jose Earthquakes are going to face in the Group 5 of the CCL. It is 
the city Heredia, or if you prefer their full name, it's Heredia Yagueres de Paten. <laughs> but yeah, City Heredia usually plays in San Jose, but because their stadium only has 3,500 seats, they will play in Guatemala City, where there's the biggest stadium of the actual Guatemala national team, 30,000 stadium. So that's where they're going to play the impact. So hopefully, with Operation, coming back to Operation Quetzal, the 600 kids they're trying to invite to that game. Hopefully, they'll be wearing blue from Montreal. But it's just a great idea, just great devotion. What a great cause. So look out during Wednesday's game, there's going to be an announcement. And circle your calendars on July 27th. It's going to be a special night, a fundraising night. All the details will be revealed during the game against the Dynamo on June 19th. For all that information, I want to thank Mr. Martin Binet from the Joy by Nights. Casimodo uh, 99 on Twitter. Uh, thank you for the scoop, and it's a pleasure. I'll help you whatever you guys need. I'm here. So, all my listeners, July 27th, I want you to be there and support that great cause. Bring Orphelins a smile on their face, and hopefully they'll be cheering for our team because it is going to be the City Heredia, which are a team in the Guatemala First Division. And they qualified for the Closura Final against Comunicaciones. But because Comunicaciones already has a spot in the CCL as Guatemala won, well, the finalist, which is, which is Heredia de Agueres de Paten, qualifies automatically for the CCL and will be the team that the Montreal Impact and the San Jose Earthquake faces. Gonna be weird having two teams in the same group from San Jose, just a different one. <laughs> we'll take a small break right now and off the woodworks. When we come back, we'll talk about USA Honduras, the US Open Cup. It's rocking in the USA, if you know what I mean. And later on, we have Daryl Lovell from MLSsoccer.com. See you in a sec. Beat up cars with guitars and drummers go. So tonight, Tuesday, June 18th, in the hexagonal World Cup qualifiers, better known as the Hex. There's two games. USA faces Roger Espinosa, former Sporting Kansas City player, against Honduras. So USA versus Espinosa and Honduras at the Rio Tinto Stadium. If you don't know, that's where the Real Salt Lake plays. And there's another game, it's Costa Rica faces Panama at the Estadio Nacional de Costa Rica in San Jose, Costa Rica. Another San Jose. That's a lot of San Jose for today. But yeah, so Costa Rica faces Panama. Those are two very interesting games because right now the standing is as it is. It's USA on top with 10 points, 5 games played. Costa Rica and Mexico both 8 points, 2nd and 3rd. But Mexico has a game more played. And then you get Honduras, fourth, with seven points, five game played. Panama, six points, still five game plays. And Jamaica, the lowly bottom teams, are reggae boys, only two points out of six game played. So right now, as it stands, if USA would actually W against Honduras, get the three points, we're up to 13 points, and almost sure to get one of those top three spots, I actually give you a ticket for Brazil 2014. Well, Brazil. 
Well, it's supposed to be Brazil. We don't know if it's going to be Brazil with last night's uh, demonstration in Brazil, pro protest, you could say. I don't know if it could be Brazil. There was a rumor a couple of weeks ago that the USA only needs a month to get prepared to host the World Cup. And anyways, if it's in Brazil 2014, if it becomes USA 2014, it would be kind of fitting 20 years after 94. But anyways, wherever it goes, if it's in the USA, I'll be there. If it's in Brazil, I won't, that's for sure. But wherever it goes, those three first team in the group qualifies already. And the fourth one gets a game against the team from Oceania, which probably will be New Zealand, as we all know. No, it's not going to be Tahiti like in the Confederations Cup. That was a fluke. It's going to be New Zealand for the World Cup qualifiers. Two, just speaking of a World Cup qualifiers, just for a second, two other teams qualified today and yesterday for the... For the Brazil, so right now there's four teams already qualified. You get Brazil because it's the host, so it's already qualified. Then you get Japan who qualified. Uh, did you, yeah, Japan's qualified. Australia's qualified. Iran and South Korea qualified, so that's five teams. Yes, you heard it right. Iran is going to the World Cup in Brazil. Brazil, yes. Iran is going to play in Brazil. Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. Yes, so Iran and South Korea. So surprising that Iran, like Canada can't qualify, but Iran is there. Fine, fine. You're going to tell me they have a better better uh, pool of players to draft for? Come on. What's going on? What's going on? I feel like, I don't know, it's hard for me to take... I can't believe we just can't qualify for anything. Anyways, hopefully we can do good in the Gold Cup this summer. Yeah, I just chuckled. If you didn't hear it, I, I just chuckled. <laughs> anyway, so those games. So if USA gets a three-point, like I was saying, they're sure to get one of those three spots. If Honduras loses, they can be in trouble now because Mexico has only a, a point in ahead of them. But they're starting to play better. They've been struggling lately. They scored only twice, only two goals in 2013, and both goals are from Chicharito Hernandez. Javier Chicharito! Hernandez. So if it wasn't for him, Mexico would not even have scored in 2013. But yeah, Costa Rica. If Costa Rica gets Panama, Costa Rica is on their way to making a big surprise and qualify for the World Cup, which would be amazing. Because if Costa Rica wins, then it means that USA, Costa Rica, and gonna probably get there, and then Mexico and Honduras gonna fight for that third final spot, and then the fourth ticket. So. You can pretty much say that Honduras and Mexico, Costa Rica and USA have a shot of going to the World Cup. And it would take a very good game tonight from Panama. So if you like underdogs, put all your money from Panama. Because if they win tonight, Panama, you never know. But right now, off the Woodworks' favorite four teams to actually maybe qualify for the World Cup out of the X, USA, Costa Rica, Mexico and Honduras. And I believe Mexico is going to have to go play the playoff game against Oceania. Wouldn't it be amazing if Mexico could not even qualify? Anyways, it'll be a bomb, a, a damper, something to ease the pain of Canada not being there. If there's only, if it's so hard that even Mexico cannot even qualify. Because people keep saying everywhere, oh, CONCACAF is one of the easiest places to qualify for the World Cup. It's exactly the opposite. The CONCACAF is one of the hardest places to qualify to go to the World Cup. Because of all... The travel, bumpy pitches everywhere. And yes, I said bumpy pitches everywhere. And the travel is hours and hours and the schedule is very hard. And 
usually like teams like Canada have a lot of players that are playing in Europe, some in the MLS, some in uh, like some in China, some in Australia. You never know where they're from. So to travel, first of all, to get to the actual continent, and then they'd have to travel from Canada to down to the Caribbean or the Alti or whatever. So it's a very hard place to, to qualify. And the proof is that Iran qualified and Canada didn't. So just Iran qualified before Mexico and the U.S. or anybody else from that group even had their ticket. So just, that just tells you that the CONCACAF is a very hard place to qualify for the World Cup. So that's it for the two games tonight for the U.S. Open, for the US Open Cup. For the, the Hex. The U.S. Open Cup, we're going to talk about it because I just made a lapsus. So the U.S. Open Cup, the quarterfinals are set for it. It's going to be on June 26th. Been two big upsets. And that's what I'm going to talk about. The Orlando City SC beated their parent team. There's Sporting Kansas City. Orlando City got the upset. The, the upset won nothing in Sporting Park. It was amazing to see. It happened. A team from the USL Pro made it to the quarterfinals. They're one of the only eight teams left. And like Graham Zussi said, they might even have a shot of winning. And wouldn't it be amazing a team from the third division to make it in, into the CONCACAF Champions League? It would be the 2014 Champions League. But it would be amazing if that happens. Anyways, and the Carolina Railhawks beat Chivas USA. That's not even an upset, but it's an upset on paper. But in practice, we all know that the Railhawks have a way, way better team than the Chivas USA. Finished 3-1. So, as, we, as it stands right now, June 26th, the quarterfinals, New England versus D.C., Orlando versus the Chicago Fire, Portland Timbers versus FC Dallas, and you get Carolina versus RSL. So, this is the U.S. Open Cup. The quarterfinals are scheduled. And speaking of cup, it is the Confederations Cup started June 15th, started last weekend, last Saturday as well. And the first game is all done. So we have a, a standing right now. There's two groups, if you're not familiar with the Confederations Cup. It's the winner of every Continental Cup of the seven continents, plus the hosts that make the two group team, true group of four teams that are facing each other. The first two of the groups move on to the semifinals, then a quarterfinal style. So it's basically the same format as is the UF Under-21 championship that just finished today. It's actually 3-1 Spain as we speak at halftime. Uh, Immobile scored for uh, Italy. And for Spain, it's the same guy who scored the three goal, El Catara. So right now, if you're listening to After Woodworks, you probably know that the winner of that game. But it's halftime, 3-1 Spain-Italy. It's too bad for the Azzurini. Forza Azzurini. Anyways, for the Confederations Cup, Group A, it's Brazil, Italy, Mexico, and Japan. Right now, Brazil and Italy got three points. Italy beating Mexico, and Brazil defeated Japan. And you get Nigeria, Spain, Uruguay, and Tahiti in Group B. Tahiti. Tahiti is a team that only one of their players is actually a professional. All the rest are semi-pros. And they actually qualified. It was a fluke. The way it happened that they qualified in that cup, if you have a second, take a look at it. It was a fluke. It's never going to happen again. But Tahiti made its way to the Confederations Cup and actually scored a goal against Nigeria. Yes, they got beat 6-1 to yesterday against Nigeria, but they scored a goal, which is a big, a big, big, big step for them. Just scoring a goal in that level. They never played in the 
that much level. You could tell that just the pace of the players against Nigeria, it was, wow, it was men against boys, but the boys scored. And they should be proud of themselves for that. And Spain obviously beat Uruguay. Spain just passed the ball around and bored me to death for like 95 minutes and scored. Uruguay scored, but it's 2-1 finished. But it could have been 7-1 to, to if it wanted to. But Spain just let off and just dominated the play. The ball was going from defender to defender. Oh, defender to winger. Oh, back to defender. Defender, defender. Oh, to the goalkeeper. Casillas to defender. Defender to the other one. Oh, goes to Iniesta, and then Iniesta does it. Oh, goes back to defender. So boring. I understand what you're trying to do. You're going for result, and it works. I understand it. But jeez, you're going to bore. Like Olivier Brett said on the, on the broadcast, which I like you, Olivier Brett. I told you on Twitter. Thank their employer. Amazing. I just amazing. Anyways, like you said, for the actual spectators that are there, for the people watching, try to go forward. I don't care if you're trying to keep possession, but at least make us believe that you're trying to go forward with the ball and try to do something with it. Don't just stand in your, your zone and just pass it between your defenders to bore us. Come on. It would be very amazing if you just go forward and try to push for the whole 90 minutes and not just get the result and then just lay back and just keep the ball and wait. Can you imagine uh, tomorrow it's going to be Spain against Tahiti. I hope Spain are nice to them. And I hope Tahiti scores against Spain. It would be amazing if that happens. But the like Spain and Uruguay, Spain had 70% of the possession. Was it going to be against Tahiti? 90 or something? Jeez. It's going to be a destruction anyway. So for the Confederations Cup, if you'd like to follow that, the first game of three is done in the group stage, and there's two games against each other left. So watch for that, and watch for uh, Spain to beat Tahiti and Nigeria Uruguay. That's going to be a good game, because Nigeria and Uruguay are going to beat for actual to get the second spot. So it's going to be Spain versus that group for sure. Then Uruguay and Nigeria are going to be, uh, battle each other to get that second one spot to go to the semifinals. <laughs> So we'll take another break on uh, Off the Woodworks. When we come back, we're going to preview the Montreal and Houston game with Daryl Lovell, beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com and a Soccer by Ives contributor. We're the Dynamo from Houston. We're Houston soccer team. We are forever orange and all share in the dream. You can talk about the galaxy red Welcome back to Off the Woodworks. It's with great pleasure that I would like to welcome Mr. Daryl Lovell, beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com. Hello, Daryl. Hey, Kevin. How you doing, man? I'm great. How will the exit of the U.S. Open Cup affect the team, if it affects them at all? Because last game of the U.S. Houston Dynamo was against FC Dallas, the Texas Derby. So, how will the team react on Wednesday? Uh, well, I don't think it's going to affect them too much. I mean... Unfortunately, it's a tournament that they, they obviously want to win. Every team wants to win every game. Uh, but having it put in the past and losing the way they did, I think the way they lost didn't set well with them. The 3-0 loss and the trouble with the set pieces, that hurt. Uh, but as far as the exit itself, uh, I, I don't think that's going to stick with them. I don't think it's stuck with them too long at all. I think there are a couple of things, as I, as I pointed out, the set piece thing especially, uh, that they want to fix. But as far as the result, I don't think it's going to linger at all. All right. Anyway, Montreal is not that great on on, uh, 
on free kicks and set pieces, so you should be fine there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, big international duties right now. It's the World Cup qualifiers, the Hex, with Andres playing. Bonnie Garcia is playing for Andres. Will his absence be a factor in the game, or is Houston kind of used to it by now? Well, I think they're, they're kind of used to it by now. Boniak actually suffered a little bit of a hamstring injury in their last game, so I'm not sure if he's going to play or not. Uh, but Brad Davis will also be there with the U.S., and I think this is, it's gotten to the point to where Houston are just kind of used to it. Um, they've done dealt with a lot with suspensions, a lot with injuries, a lot with international call-ups uh, this year. Where they, they just kind of roll in. The one thing I would say that they found out the most this year is that the confidence they had in their depth coming into the season has been validated. Guys like Warren Craval, Andrew Driver, Giles Barnes. These are all guys that we didn't know what their role was going to be heading into the season. And they've done very well and performed very, very well. Even on the back line, you look at a guy like, like Mike Chabala or Anthony Arena or Eric Bruner, who've all given solid performances. So give I don't think they're going to miss him as much as they play so much out of him. I think it helps that Warren Craval can play over there, who has proven to be super, super versatile. And if they need him over there, Giles, Bar- sorry, uh, Andrew Driver can actually get over there uh, as well. So I don't think they're going to miss him too much. How- saying that, it's missing a guy like Bonnie Garcia is always a tough thing because of the level of play he has. But I think they've kind of learned to adapt. Uh, yeah, and will it be that Will Bruin had a decent start of the year, but it seems quiet lately. Well, do you think he's gonna spark it up more on Wednesday night and restart? Because we know he plays well in big games. Well, Will's kind of one of those things. It's, it's an interesting uh, dynamic to look at because if you look at the scoring column, he's only got four goals this year compared to his output last year. That's on a, that's a downtick. That that's not as good as it was last year. So you obviously look at a forward in that viewpoint or from that viewpoint. It's always about goals. But if you watch the game and you watch him play, I think the time he spent in January with the national team, and I think the things that he's worked on as far as holding the ball up, being able to link play, because in truth, he has a guy now in Giles Barnes who he can distribute layoff to and let that person push the game forward. So his role has changed. It's gone more to that true number nine or closer to a number nine. Um, I think that's why we've seen a, a loss in chances and a loss in goals. However, he is still dangerous. He still yes. gets his chances. But I just think that's where some of the things, some of the other areas, the hold up plan, the runs off the ball, mm-hmm. clearing space, they've actually been very happy with him. But it all comes back to scoring goals. Whether he'll jump off or get off of that mark uh, tomorrow uh, or Wednesday, I should say, we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, because I remember uh, last year when he went to Montreal, when he came to Montreal and played, he played hard. He, he was one of the players on the field that stood out, that he wanted that game, you could tell. Oh, yeah. Will, there's you'll never question Will Bruin's effort. You'll never question his energy. That's one thing that, that's one constant you'll always get from Will Bruin. But saying that, I don't want to let him off the hook at all. He's got to score goals. I mean, that's yeah. what he's there to do. <laughs> Well, maybe because of the there's a so-called rivalry between the two teams. Last year there was a couple altercations between players and managers, and will you do you think the bad blood's going to reappear on Wednesday night and create a big game, big opportunities for players like Will Bruin and everything? I I don't know. I don't I don't think so. I know there was some some issues last year, especially with Adam Moffitt and and some of the stuff. So some of the extracurricular activities. 
I'm, I'm not sure it's getting to that rivalry point yet, but I, I just think it's, I think these games that we see, or the games we saw last year between Montreal and Houston, and the game we'll probably see Wednesday, it's just the natural result of two teams that play hard. It's the natural result of two teams that like to get after it, that will chase, that react very quickly and sometimes very physically to losing the ball. Uh, I just think this is the, the natural byproduct of that. Some people don't like it. They scream that it's ugly soccer or they, they scream against one team or the other or they accuse one team or the other of breaking up play. You don't, in my opinion, watching Montreal and watching Houston, there's not a lot of shirt pulling. There's not a lot of extracurricular stuff off the ball. It's just good hard play on the ball. Yep, exactly. It's and whistle to whistle and... Yeah. yeah. It's not a bad thing. It's absolutely not a bad thing. So I don't know if we'll, I don't know if there's necessarily a, uh, an emotional aspect to it. I yeah. just think it's what happens within the span of 90 minutes. You're going to see some flare-ups. You're going to see some heat in the game. It's perfectly okay from their point of view and as a spectator from my point of view as well. Yeah. There's a player that has a little, a little history with Montreal, Mr. Brian Ching, who was the first, uh, first draft pick in the history of the Montreal Impact in the MLS and actually never played for the team. Is he? Is it possible he's going to show up and play on Wednesday? Uh, it's possible. I, mean, I think he's definitely in the mix of their forwards. They are getting Omar Cummings back, which is a big boost for them. Um, he could play. He could. Uh, he could travel. But I will tell you, they they did travel five forwards. Uh, to okay. Montreal. They traveled JJ or Jason Johnson, Brian Ching, uh, Giles Barnes, Will Bruin, Omar Cummings. That's a lot of firepower up there. I think it depends on what the game dictates. If they are holding a lead, I think that's where you may see a more likely scenario for Brian Ching to come in as opposed okay. to chasing the game. But yeah, so there's the, obviously a possibility he could play. Yeah, so with those five forward, do you expect a offensive type player in the Houston Sparks? I think they'll run their, their, their 4-4-2 actually. Um, I think you'll see Barnes and Bruin up top. Uh, if Barnes is okay to play, he's battling a little bit of an ankle issue that he's been doing uh, that, he, that he picked up in the last game against Columbus. Uh, but if, Bar if Barnes can go, you'll see Barnes and Bruin. Uh, that right now is the preferred pairing. Uh, but as far as who the subs could be, uh, we really could see the first time where we see a truly healthy Omar coming. I think they will attack. And I, I don't think Houston, for, for whatever you want to say about their road results, they don't sit back a whole lot on the road unless the other team makes them. And from what I've seen of Montreal... They're not necessarily a high pressure, high high intensity attack. No, so exactly. We may see more of Houston with the ball because of the matchup. Normally, when Houston sits back, it's because the other team is forcing them to set back. Okay. I don't think that's an aspect a lot of people pay enough attention to. Okay, so with Houston maybe playing offensive, do you think they're going to be open to the counter attack, which is one of Montreal's uh, specialty? We could say. Yeah, absolutely. I actually spoke with Bobby Boswell and Corey Ash about that today uh, before they left. And and truthfully, I think you will see the diamond. It, I'll say this: it absolutely has their attention. Okay. They know exactly what they know exactly what Montreal wants to do in that respect. They know that Marco Deval is excellent. For me, I saw him last year here, and I actually told somebody in the press box, he's the best player I saw at BBVA last year. <laughs> wow. So a fantastic player. Watching him up close and personal was was really a, a good experience. And just watching him, they know exactly what he brings. They know how dangerous they can be 
kind of lulling teams to sleep, and then they hit one ball over the top to DeVal, and all of a sudden it's one nothing. Yeah, like, like, of that. yeah, like we keep saying in Montreal, he might be offside 25 times of the game, but the only two times he won't be offside, he's going to score, he's going to finish. So, so, Just two. take one or two, that's all it takes. Exactly, there's players, like everybody's talking about, Inzaghi and all those type of forwards, Italian forwards, that made careers out of scoring, scoring one or two goals every every game out of 25 offsides. The life of a forward. It, it, <laughs> I taught in. Bo- I talked about it. Boswell. By. Bo- and he goes, and he kind of holds the grudge against the forwards. Play one or two, one or two plays a game, and they're stars. <laughs> we make every play except for one play, as a, and we're we're the worst thing on the planet. Though life of a forward. <laughs> and life of a defender can be really hard. Do you think the defense of Houston can stop Mister Devio? Like we're saying, I do actually. I think. And tomorrow, they may have to have a, knock a little bit of the rust off because tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, we should see them with their four, first choice full back line for the first time in a while. But when they're together and they're playing well, Kofi Sarkoti, Bobby Boswell, Jermaine Taylor, and Corey Ash, to me, that's one of the best defenses, if not the best talented, most talented defense in the league. They absolutely has, have what it takes. Uh, with some good size speed combinations, and they're all—they've all been there now. They, they've experienced their experience. Even Kofi Sarkoti, their experience—they're not going to get caught off guard. Uh, I think they actually have the the technique and the skill and the experience to deal with them. Well, they actually do it. Uh, Devals made suckers out of a lot <laughs> of a lot of this year. So, but they absolutely have the ability to do it. And a last little quick note for all the fantasy owners and fantasy players out there. Bobby Boswell is a very popular choice. Is he? Should we? Do you think he's going to be have a good game for him on Wednesday night? I think so too. I'm not. A, I'm not a huge MLS fantasy player, uh, but I know a lot of it, is, uh, especially on the defensive side. Defensive side is predicated on on shutouts. Exactly. Yeah. So it's more of a team. Bobby's one of those guys that can lock you down. That can lock a defender down, and he's very instrumental in in playing the organizer, he really has turned himself into a field general, into a captain-type player. Even though Brian Davis is a captain when he's there, uh, Bobby Boswell really is a captain-level player in this league. He, his leadership is at that level. Um, and for fantasy players, he can hunt the ball on set pieces. <laughs> you know, he gets on the end of a lot of set pieces, especially corners. Um, so from a, from a fantasy standpoint, I absolutely think he's a good pick. He's, I think he's especially a good pick out of Houston's back line, unless you want to go for assists with Kofi Sarkoti. Yeah. Well, Daryl, thank you very much. That was an amazing interview. You can – it's a pleasure having you on Out of the Woodworks, Daryl. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. You can read uh, Daryl's report on MLSsoccer.com. He follows the team. And he contributes to Soccer by Ives as well. So, Daryl, uh, looking forward to talking to you again. Thank you, Kevin. That's Brian, Brad, and Eddie. They've been here from the start. Along with former heroes, these three have played their part. They fought and scrapped for every point, put bodies on the line. They're written in our folklore, they'll be there for all time. So thanks again to Daryl Lovell. You can read him almost every day on MLSsoccer.com. He covers the Houston Dynamo. He's their beat reporter, and you can listen to him on Soccer by Ives and read him as well. So thank you, Daryl. 
I want to take a second to thank you, every single one of you, all the listeners, all eight of you, for taking the time to listen to us. I would really appreciate it if you just take two seconds and go on iTunes and review us with a little nice five stars, or even four, I would appreciate it. Review us. Go on Facebook, Off The Woodworks with an X at the end. Like my page? You can follow me on Twitter, at Off The Woodworks. You can email me with comments, reactions, questions, Off The Woodworks with an X again, at Hotmail.com. So, thank you very much. We are still featured on iTunes in the sports and recreation section of the podcast. We were like five, fifth last week, which is amazing. That means you are actually clicking and taking a listen to my show. So, thank you very much. I do this from the heart. I like rambling, as you can tell, about soccer. And it's an honor to, to, for me to have every single one of you as a listener. So, thank you very much. So, for now... Don't forget, watch tonight, The Hex, tomorrow night. If you don't even have a ticket to go to Zaputo, feel ashamed of yourself. Go support your team. Support your team, support your city, support your club. One club, one love, one city. You get it? So go be a... You better see me at the Zaputo. If you're at the Zaputo, come and see me. Come and say hi. I'm in the 132. You can come and say hi to me, Kevin. I would appreciate it. I would love it. Just take a second and meet my listeners. So watch that game on Wednesday, and as always, have a great soccer.